Hello, hi, and welcome to another episode of Wellness in the Workplace. My name is Mbali Mziane and I am your host. Wellness in the Workplace is a podcast that aims to equip new and experienced professionals with the tools and insights to navigate challenging workplace dynamics. And in today's episode, we are talking about why managing your personal finance is important as a young professional. With the festive season just around the corner, we know that this time of year is usually accompanied by reckless spending. So this conversation is very much timely and quite relevant. And I have with me in studio to unpack it further, Manok Amatia, who is a chartered accountant by profession. She is a business and corporate speaker, an MC, and the CEO and founder of Your Corporate Hustle. Welcome to Wellness in the Workplace. Thank you so much for having me in Bali. Really excited to be here. Amazing, amazing. Thank you for making the time to be here. Um, But before we get into just the meat of our discussion. I'd just like for you to give an overview of who you are, what you're about, and just tell us a bit more about what you do in your profession. All right, thank you. So I am an accountant by trade. So I am a chartered accountant and I've been working in that field for about 11 years. And I'm extremely hardworking, extremely lucky though. Mm-hmm. Um, and in the past three years, I then ventured out and started uh, career coaching, mm-hmm. business and career coaching. And the reason for that was I was always passionate about mentoring others. Mm-hmm. Whatever challenges you're experiencing, someone else has experienced before you. So I mentored as many people as I absolutely could. Mm -hmm. And one day I decided that I would like to take that passion and turn it into a skill or a vocation. Mm -hmm. And I then studied business coaching. So I've been coaching for the past three years and I was an internal coach um, at my former employer. Mm -hmm. And about two years ago, then I decided to also do it external to my employer. Mm -hmm. And about a year ago is how your corporate hustle was birthed and the the main reason for that was that workplace challenges Mm. are universal and we sit in separate corners and discuss with our friends and our peers and sometimes that doesn't necessarily result in anything Mm. so my thought was if the challenges are universal the solutions must also be universal. Mm. And that is how we got started. Mm. Okay, okay. But today's discussion is more around personal finances, which could be related to what you do by trade. Um, And we know that personal finance management is not something that is actively taught in school. Um, So in your opinion and from your experience, why is it important for young professionals, and if you want to be more specific, young black professionals, to know about personal finance management early on? So finances is something that you can get very wrong. Mm. And if you go astray fairly quickly, you are going to take yourself down a road where it takes a lot to get you out of that. Mm. So for example, if you got into debt for any reason, and um, maybe a bit of reckless spending. It's not overnight. It's not like, you know, next month I'll bounce back. Sometimes it does take years to recover. Mm. And equally so, when you lay a good foundation, 
within a few years, you will see a lot of stability in your finances. And I also think in terms of your life, um, finances is such an important part that if you're not doing well financially, it causes a huge strain on everything else. It can strain your career because Mm -hmm. do you believe you're earning enough? And, you know, there's this other side where you're owing people. So it is something that if you get it right from the get-go, you're probably set for life. Mm. If you mess it up, it does take a little bit of time to recover. And you may at times feel like you are behind your peers at Mm. a later stage. Mm. So for those who are starting to work in the first couple of years, laying the foundation, and if ever there's anyone listening who's made the mistakes it's recovering fairly quickly mm. so it it really is a foundation yeah that's what yeah, i call it yeah so you speak about this foundation what does that look like practically what does that uh, translate into month to month for someone who doesn't know what that foundation could possibly be so number one is I suppose spending less than you earn Mm. and that isn't always easy and sometimes it's actually easier to come up with reasons why you can't live within your means Mm. but the reality is if you're earning 5,000 you're earning 5,000 and if you're spending beyond what you are earning that is the path that we spoke about earlier that you're going down a path where you cannot come back Mm. and number two would be to try from the get-go when you start working to start building a little bit of savings Mm. now it would be great if we all could save 10,000 rands a month but when you start out working that's always not always feasible Mm. and I want to encourage your listeners to not despise small beginnings. Mm. It is better to put away a little bit and there's always something for an emergency rather than to do nothing at all. So spend less than you earn um, and start to save from from your first day of of working. Mm, mm, Okay. And how do you think our upbringings affect our relationships with money? And how do you then start to build a healthier um, and a more progressive and sustainable relationship with money? So I I suspect it might be a bit of a journey and Mm. it also depends on how how your your upbringing was. The people who grow up in such poverty that it's a, a lifetime to reverse um, the mindset of how they believe things should be. Sure. So, sure. for example, I remember when I started working, like I love spoiling my family and mm, loved ones. Mm. And I remember I took my um, mom and my aunt out and they looked at the menu and they looked at the prices and mm. they don't want to order. And there's a, a lot of unlearning that needs to be done. Mm. Um, so I definitely think... Um, what you see and observe growing up does have an impact Mm. and I think the first part is really acknowledging or seeing that your upbringing had an impact yeah so 
actually just taking a step back and saying, what did I see growing up? What did I see with my parents? How mm. were my parents with money? Mm. And um, start to then observe your own behavior. So mm. if you had overly generous parents, mm. you might also be generous to a fault. Mm. So I think step one is actually understanding what your what you've seen and observed in life. Mm. If it was abject uh, poverty, you may have a fear of ever going back to poverty. So some people might hold on or hoard money Mm -hmm. because they don't actually want to spend because they've been poor before. Mm -hmm. Um, So Mm -hmm. I think the first step would be to do a a deep reflection and say, what did I see? Mm -hmm. Do I see those things and traits in Mm -hmm. myself? And only then can you start to unlearn. Yeah, yeah, sure. Um, that's actually quite powerful. And you touch on briefly um, around black tax. Mm. Um, and a lot of young black professionals experience that. You know, a lot of first generation corporate white collar workers experience black tax. What is your experience with it? Um, and how have you navigated it if you have experienced it? And if not, maybe how would you advise then somebody mm. who, who is dealing or struggling to reconcile what is the concept of black tax within their um, financial life? So, in, and I, I actually find myself hating the phrase. Um, okay. okay. Because let's say, for example, with our tax, do you give uh, SARS your money because you want to? Or because they say you have to? The latter. (laughs) (laughs) We wish we could take our money back from SARS. Yeah. Um, Yeah. And that is the reason why I sometimes do not like the phrase. And um, you may have to help out your family. Mm. You may want to help out your family. Mm. And you should help to the extent that you want to and are able to. Yeah. Okay. So when you use such a word as a tax, it means someone is forcing you to do it. Mm, Okay. And I believe that a lot of people find themselves in that position where it's not something they want to do. Mm. Someone is obligating them and saying, you have to do, Mm. you have to build a house, you have to buy so-and-so a car. Mm. And if you remember earlier, I said the first principle is, is, you know, spending less than you earn, you earn yeah. and you can't spend money that you don't have. Yeah. So if we use an example of perhaps someone who starts working and then they are requested to, let's say, build a house yeah. for, for their family. Yeah. Think about your first year. I, I don't know about anyone else, but mm. in my first year, if I made it to month end with a hundred bucks, <laughs> you were good. I was good. And <laughs> What then does it take for an individual to do something that massive mm. for their families? So I think the first thing for anyone in that position is to really think, what am I able to, to do? do? Yeah. Your yeah. financial circumstances change mm. every couple of years. Mm. Um, you won't always be a broke first year working employee Mm. and Mm. things are going to change Mm. and your means will change. Mm. So maybe in two or three years time, you're better able to help your family. But right now, can I afford to build someone else a house? Mm. Yes or no. And that is how I think about 
um, helping family. Mm. And um, I've said this before, but for me, helping comes naturally to me. Yeah. And giving comes naturally to me. And I appreciate so much what my family has done for me that when they ask me to do something or rather... I feel like my family doesn't ask. I want to, to do, do yeah. something. Yeah, yeah. It's actually a privilege and an honor for me because mm. my family raised me without them. None of what I have, mm. would, I would have. Mm. Um, so yes, they had me. They chose chose to had me have me, mm. and it's their responsibility. But the manner in which they have done it, mm. I can never thank them enough. Mm. Therefore, what I do for my family, I do not begrudge. Yeah. yeah, yeah. Okay, okay. But the moment that you know we talk about, um, and I'll reluctantly say this, black tax. Yeah. <laughs> uh, you know, you think of financial boundaries right um how do you then set those firm financial boundaries so that even in cases where some people feel obliged Mm. that you have to help them Mm. and that when you say i don't have they just Mm. don't understand Mm. um and i think you know some viewers might or some listeners actually Mm. might find themselves in that position and Mm. they just don't know how to set those financial boundaries Mm. um how do you go about you know advising someone to navigate that so i i have encountered a lot of people who have that challenge um i think with me as an individual i haven't struggled as much Mm. um so let's say for example where family have asked for things extended family whoever Mm. um when i'm able to i will say yes and when i'm not able to I will say I'm unable to at this point. Mm. Sometimes I used to give reasons of why I'm unable to. Mm. Then I think recently I've started to realize it's also not our money. Yeah. Like I actually don't need to qualify why I'm unable to help at this point. Sure. When you asked me three months ago, yes, I helped you. Mm. Today is not three months ago. I can't help you. My circumstances are different. Mm. I don't actually need to lay my my business out to you of mm. why I can't help. Mm. So I'd say that black families aren't um, known for a lot of talking and openness and you can say whatever you want. Yeah. And yeah, I think yeah. that might contribute to why people struggled to say no or communicate mm. when they're unable to. Mm. But I think the one thing with boundaries is the first time feels very uncomfortable. Yeah. And the more that you do it, yeah. you start to get more comfortable, mm. which is why in my example, I said I used to feel very guilty mm. when I said no. Mm. And I would say no, or I'd be scared of saying no. Mm. I'd say no and give lots of reasons. And now as I'm growing older, I'm able to say no. No is, is a full sentence. sentence. Yes, um, yes. So when when you start working, wherever you are, actually, whatever phase, sit down with your family and say what you can and cannot do. Mm. And I think it might change in two years' time. But right now... This is what I'm able to. Mm. Um, and I suppose the reality is not everyone who is in our lives necessarily um, always wants the best for us. And that's I know true. that's difficult to say because your question is about family. Yeah. But yeah. Um, 
the reality is if someone wants you to be indebted, wants you to, they don't actually even care where you find the money. Yeah. Um, the stress and burden that will come unto you. Mm. Um, does the person have your best interests at mm. heart? So remember that you're an individual. You need to look after yourself as well. Mm. Um, so boundaries are not easy, but they are necessary. Yeah, yeah. Okay, love that, love that. Um, but speaking of pressure from family, I just want to pivot now to societal pressure, mm. pressure from friends. Yeah. <laughs> you know, we live in in a world where instant gratification is the norm um, and keeping up with the Joneses and wanting to impress your peers mm. um, is a type of pressure that people put on themselves. Um, what would your advice be around not succumbing to that type of pressure? Uh, and if anybody has already fallen into the trap mm. and is finding themselves now in, you know, mountains of debt, sure. how do they even start crawling out of that hole? So I think the first thing is about choosing our circle wisely. Ooh, that's uh, a word. <laughs> <laughs> that is a word. <laughs> I... No offense to Patrice Mutsepe, but I don't think if me and him were friends that me and him move in the same kind of circles. Yeah. Um, so I also think that having... So you're going to have friends of different age groups mm. and different capacities. Mm. Um, but also, um, you know, by keeping your friend group small, mm. by keeping your friend group, um, possibly people who are in the same life phase. Okay. You are inherently exposed to less or different pressure. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. So we're all in our 20s. My mates are in their 20s. Mm. If you hang out with 30-year-olds and 40-year-olds, we move differently, yeah. let me tell you. So <laughs> um, choose your circle. Um, look for your peers. And also, even within your peer group, there mm. are people who are not good influencers. Mm. And um, that doesn't end in high school, funny mm. or not. Mm. So if you feel pressured by your peer group or so-called friends, again, are those people that you need to be having in your life. Mm. Um, and earlier I said, it's it's finances for me is about a foundation. Yeah. And it takes a few years to set you up. And once you set up, you're good. Mm. But if you're messing around and you're not doing what you should be and you're falling into the pressure of my friends and my this and my that, mm. um, you, you will look good on the outside, whatever it is that you're spending money, be it appearance, be mm. it a, a, a certain lifestyle. Yeah. Yeah. But you don't have much in the bank. Mm. You do not have, if an emergency happens tomorrow, mm. you have nothing to fall back on. Mm. You don't have anything invested. Mm. So those type of things. Mm. Um, so I think for me, if I reflect, that is what um, I did. Um, but like I said, is I, I really, and especially in the first couple of years, mm. I didn't spend anything that I didn't have. I hated debt and I think that um, helped me yeah. because for the most part at that point, I don't know about now, but at that <laughs> point, um, I believed that the only debt that I should have was 
for a house or for a car. Yeah. So I had yeah. a car, I had no house, mm-hmm. and then just lived. Mm-hmm. And as the years went, maybe then my mentality also changes. Mm-hmm. But the reality is if you start working and you've got all these clothing store accounts mm-hmm. and you've got overdrafts mm-hmm. and you are using them on a regular basis, mm-hmm. you, as I said, it's your foundation. You're laying a foundation that... Um, you know, there's there's always extra. Yeah. And yeah. you're not sticking to what you're actually earning. Yeah, yeah. And, you know, any advice then for someone who has found themselves um, in a position where they didn't lay the right foundation mm. and they fell into the trap of debt uh, because they succumbed to the pressure that they faced, how do you even start? Yeah. How do you even start when you have debt that... It does not even, um, you know, equate to what you could potentially earn at that moment. Yeah. So I think the first thing to acknowledge, no matter what your circumstances are, you've kind of dug yourself somehow into a little bit of a hole or a problem. Mm. And if you could dig yourself somewhat in, <laughs> you can dig yourself somewhat out. Mm. Um, so realize first and foremost it didn't happen overnight Mm. you didn't get into that position overnight so when you're fixing it it's also not going to be overnight Mm. the biggest thing i'd say with debt is you'd actually be surprised by how much um some people like don't realize or acknowledge even Mm. how much debt they have Okay, so the first step would be actively to write out this is what i owe i hope this one 100, this one 100, this one 100. Mm. What is my interest rate on all that debt? Mm. So your debt um, burden is not equal. So some debt is expensive debt, mm. bad debt, mm. and some is affordable or cheaper. An example of expensive debt? So what you get from your overdraft might be fairly expensive. Yeah. Um, it also depends, obviously, on your credit score and your credit profile, mm. but... Um, your short-term debt is ordinarily a little bit more expensive. Mm. And you should be comparing your debt to the prime rate. Mm-hmm. Um, so anything close to prime mm. is okay. Anything over prime, as you go up 1%, 2%, okay, cool. But there are people who, based on their profile, get way more sure. than prime. So that is expensive debt. Mm. So step one is what is all my debt and what are all the interest rates? Mm. Mm. You want to pay off your most expensive debt first Mm. and you can then um, start paying that off. So i.e. when I have extra money, Mm. let me first pay off this expensive debt. Mm. When I am then done with this debt of let's call it, let's say prime, Mm. I so prime plus five. Mm. So I started with my most expensive yeah. debt. I've, I ticked that off. Then I have something that's prime um, plus two. Then I did that one and yeah. work your way down. Mm. So as you pay off one loan, mm. you redirect the money to the next loan. Okay. So if we use okay. a simplistic example, I have an overdraft. Mm likely the most expensive. Mm. So then I pay off my overdraft and I pay 2,000 rands every month. Mm. And six months later, I'm done with my overdraft. Mm. Then I can redirect some of that money 
to my um, car, let's say, for yeah. example. Yeah. Or I can redirect it to my savings because part of the debt cycle is a lot of people who can't get out of debt don't have savings. Yeah. Yeah. So when an emergency yeah. comes up, mm. what do they then rely on? Mm. They go back to into debt. the debt cycle. Yeah. Um, so you want to build a bit of a buffer and you can even do this, you know, before you start trying to aggressively pay off the debt. Yeah. But the, uh, the reality is, um, it took some bad decisions to get there mm. and it will take a bit of discipline to get out to of it, side, yeah. but it is doable in a mm. few months time. You could be thanking yourself and you're mm. in a different position. Mm. Um, and as I said, the, the impact that, debt and money issues have on an individual mm. are so dramatic and you know i want whoever might be listening to this mm. and in this circumstance to imagine what their life would look like when they don't have this issue mm. and they can actually pay for things as and when they need to and they don't need to ignore their phone calls and mm. you know mm. A lot of a lot of stress, unfortunately, that that debt brings. Yeah. So yeah. that's what I'd say. Um, so expensive debt, build up your savings, redirect your money to the next debt and the mm. next debt and the next debt um, until you can breathe. There's no magic number, yeah. um, but you know what comfortable feels like for yeah, you. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And you speak about savings, yeah. and I'd like for us to actually just identify the difference between saving and investing um, because I think there might be a misunderstanding or misconception that it's one in the same things mm-hmm. or there is some similarities between the two. Sure. So um, what is then the difference between saving and investing? All right, so one of those concepts, um, there isn't real opportunity for your money to grow. Okay. And the other one there is. Okay. So saving normally is within a bank, um, whatever institution where you're putting money away mm. and they are guaranteeing you some sort of interest rate. Mm. The interest rate is never remarkable. Okay, mm. so let's say, for example, you are getting, oh my gosh, this sounds crazy even as I say it, but let's say the bank is giving you 6% interest rate mm-hmm. and prime is, let's say, 75 mm-hmm. A year from now, your money might actually be losing value. Okay, sure. So inflation is let's say seven and a half percent from stats that I'm seeing right now, we're like approaching eight or something. Mm -hmm. So if inflation is seven and a half percent, it means that things are seven and a half percent more expensive Mm -hmm. on average than what they were a year ago. Sure, sure. Your money that has been in the bank for a year only went up by six percent. So it's lost value. So saving is important to a point. Mm. And then when you then have that breathing room and you've got a couple of months, I don't know, expenses in your savings, Mm. then you're going to need to graduate to investing because otherwise your, your savings are barely protecting your buying power. Sure. Yeah. And then investing is the opportunity hopefully to increase Mm. 
your your the buying power of that money um, over time. And that could be anything. You could be investing in the stock market. Mm. You could invest in property. Mm. You, For a beginner, what would you recommend? So <laughs> the thing I love more than anything is a tax-free savings account. And in this country, um, so in South Africa, we can invest um, 500,000 over a lifetime into a tax-free account um, or um, 36,000 per annum, which works out to three grand per month. Mm. Now, you don't need to take out three grand. You might only be able to take out 300, Mm. but you're building a sort of discipline where once the money comes, Mm you are already in a habit. So for me, for beginners, um, I love the tax-free savings account because the day that you sell or whatever you're doing within that account Mm. is not taxable. Mm. Whereas other investments would be taxed. Mm. So um, I know we don't want to give any more money to SARS, no Mm. offense. So the tax-free savings for me is the perfect place for beginners to start and you can start with um there are a lot of fractional um shares that you can buy um so tools that allow you to to start at 10 rand even Mm -hmm. so um tax-free savings must 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 yeah so earlier you mentioned briefly um a credit score or credit profile can you just expand a bit on that and explain on the role of that credit profile and what it actually means in your journey of building financial stability or wealth ultimately? So your credit score is, I suppose, how worthy others deem you to come and borrow their <laughs> money. money. From them. <laughs> So I'm not always sure if it's a great thing. But anyway, so based on your history and profile, we believe that you would be a great candidate to lend money to. Or we don't believe you'd be a great candidate. So if you don't have a great credit profile, it is difficult to borrow money. Mm. And the money that you borrow is given to you at a higher rate because you are more risky. And if you've got a good credit profile, it's easy to get credit, which maybe is not a great thing for some individuals, Mm. but it it basically talks to our credit worthiness. Mm. Um, You want to have a good credit profile. Yeah. um, And usually if your credit profile is not great, it's because there are a lot of people who are reporting you um, for not paying them. Sure. Um, so that's usually how someone ends up with a not great credit score. Yeah. And how do you get a good credit score? So it is paying everything on time. Whoever you owe, pay them on time. Um, don't ignore your debts. There are people who, you know, whether it's due to ability or decision, they decide not to pay certain mm. debts. Mm. Um, so it's about servicing your commitments it's your commitments. Mm. You, they didn't force you to take that iPhone. Um, so <laughs> it's basically about servicing our commitments. Mm. Okay, okay. 
Um, and then for anyone looking to make more money, because we're all in the business of wanting to make more money, right? Uh, but maybe they're going the more traditional way of doing it and looking to get a pay raise, um, you know, at their either current company or uh, by looking externally. How do you even start having those types of conversations? How do you build up, you know, the boldness to say, this is what I want and this is how much I'm worth? So... I'd say in my experience, I don't know if it's about boldness. Mm. It's about just doing it. Okay. So um, we tend to overthink a lot of decisions. Mm. And what would everyone think if I expressed um, whatever it is that I wanted? Yeah. yeah. Um, but the reality is the quickest way to not get something is to not ask for it. Sure. Okay. So... Let's uh, do two scenarios. So you said in the organization you work with or yes. potentially external to yes. that. Um, so let's talk jobs first. So if you're currently employed, mm. you are you are adding value to a business that you work at. Mm. So people sometimes say, oh, I'm doing my job and I'm doing, I mean, I do everything that's expected of me. Mm. But the reality is it's a value exchange. Your employer is paying you for certain value that they get out. And you give the value in exchange for a salary. Mm. Now, when I talk about value, we use examples. If you are someone who works in sales, Mm. the more you sell, the more valuable you are. The less you sell, why are you even in sales? Yeah. (laughs) Yes. So, and then if you're not, so let's say you worked in HR, in HR, it would be what is what are the complaints that the business is getting? What is the happiness factor of the employees? Mm-hmm. So all these things are directly related to the job that you do. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. So if you want to earn more, you need to add value and demonstrate that and then ask, ask mm-hmm. for what it is that you want. Mm-hmm. So the first question that I would ask is, are you adding value? Sure. And people don't necessarily th- always think of it that way. Mm-hmm. They think of it as I am doing my job. job yeah. Okay. Yeah. So am I adding value? How can I add more value? The only way you'll know that is by asking the people that you report to. Mm-hmm. And often people are afraid to have conversations about their performance, about money, about a lot of things. Mm-hmm. Um, so ask, how can I add value? Start to add value. And then come back and say, this is what I'm doing and this is how I believe um, I should be rewarded for that. Mm. How can I advance in this organization? Mm. So all of those are questions that you need to ask. Mm. You don't ask, you don't, you don't get in, in most instances. Yeah. Um, so a lot of studies say that um, about 50% of people um, are afraid to ask for, for increases or sure. more money. But over 70% of the people who ask get it. So Mm -hmm. the odds are in your favor. Um, And even if you fall into that percentage who doesn't get it, you are building a sort of a foundation where you're able to communicate what you want. Mm -hmm. And in the event that this employer, Mm -hmm. you've done everything we've spoken about, you've started to add more value, having the conversations, they're telling you, do this, do that. You're doing all of that. And, you know, the conversation then changes. Mm. 
it is then that you would say, I'm not, I see my worth, I'm communicating my worth, I'm mm-hmm. demonstrating my worth, yeah. but yeah. I'm not being rewarded for it. Yeah. Um, and then ultimately you could pick, you could go outside of that organization. Mm-hmm. Um, so if you were in an instance where it was a new job and you're negotiating a salary, mm-hmm. the principles are the same. What are you bringing to this role? What value do you believe that you're going to add? So those interview questions are not just um, a tick box. It is literally what you will do based on your experience, based on your thoughts. What can you do in this business um, that someone else hasn't done? And based on that, you can negotiate um, what you believe they should pay you. And on the topic of making more money, what are your thoughts on side hustles? And is it a sustainable way of, of making money over a long period of time? So personally, I love my side hustle. <laughs> so I'm yeah. somewhat biased. And yeah. the reason why I say I love my side hustle... Your corporate hustle. Your corporate <laughs> hustle is yeah. because it wasn't... It's not about money. So it gives me a certain level of fulfillment that I don't think money could buy. So mm-hmm. I I love my business and I would love to do it for however long. Mm-hmm. Um, so side hustles, I am a big fan. Mm-hmm. Um, what I want to caution people and say, it takes a lot of time to juggle um, different responsibilities. Yeah. And you just need to be mindful of not dropping the ball. And let's say, for example, my full-time job, that's what pays my bills. Mm. And, you know, if I am dropping balls on my job, that is what actually puts bread on the table. Mm. Um, You actually need to be so cautious about your priorities. Mm. Um, But I think, is it sustainable? Mm. Absolutely. You just need to make sure that you are balancing your energy and your time and you're not giving too much too soon. Mm -hmm. So if you are starting a business, you might not be able to spend 30 hours a week on your business because where are you finding the time? But if done properly, it is sustainable. You're going to make more money. You'll have more breathing room when we're talking about finances Mm -hmm. And ultimately, be able, you know what money does? Hey, money gives you options. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. Um, you're, not, you're not stuck. Mm. Um, you don't have to do a job you don't want to do. Mm. You don't have to work for people who treat you terribly. You yeah. don't, so money gives you options. Yeah. And um, I think a side hustle is a great way. It also increases like your business acumen, mm. how you you interact with people. Yeah. So you're gonna learn a lot as well. So for me, ten out of ten would recommend <laughs> to anybody. Yeah. 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 Okay. Okay. And just in concluding our topic, what is your current relationship with money right now, and how did you get to this point? <laughs> Drunk in love. Um, <laughs> money loves me. I love money. I love money. And I'm willing to work for my money. I'm willing to work smart. I'm willing to work hard as well. Um, how did we get here? Being intentional. Okay. Um, 
So as I said, is after a foundation of a few years of really just setting aside. Do you remember that little, I don't know if, if you had that same story about the ant who prepared for winter. Did no. you guys have that in primary school? No. Um, so primary school was a million years ago for me. <laughs> but there's an ant who was apparently collecting food yes. and putting it away in a certain location. Yeah. Yeah. And the other ants are having fun during the summer and they're teasing this ant for, for putting stuff away. Yeah. And when the winter came, they had nothing. Yeah. And the ant who had been putting away um, had all of this reserve. Mm. So in your life, there'll be periods of, you know, putting away and you will then get to where you can harvest. Mm. So I believe that's how we got here. That's mm. how we got to um, in love and uh, yeah. And attracting. Girl. Consistently attracting money. It finds, it finds, <laughs> it finds me. You. I love I that. I wouldn't be shocked if it comes <laughs> Like, I'm looking for Manukabate. Okay. I love that. I love that. Um, yeah, so before I end off any podcast episode, I usually ask my guests some bonus questions, yes. uh, which are great points of reflection just around general um, workplace wellness. Mm. Uh, so the first one is, what podcast, video, book or article have you listened to or read that shifted your perspective about work or money wow or money or money so that's new because we're talking about money right now (laughs) so i'd say when it comes to career Mm. i don't believe that there is one that i can pinpoint okay um what i will say however is the people in my real life Okay. Are what has impacted me the most. Mm. So my colleagues, my mentors, my mm. sponsors, mm. that is who has laid a wonderful foundation and perspective for me from a career perspective. Okay. Okay. Um from a money perspective, mm. um I love uh just one lap. Okay. It is a South African um a company that basically goes about to educate people about the, uh, their finances. Mm-hmm. Um, and it's headed out by a gentleman called Simon Brown. Mm-hmm. And they explain things so simply. Mm-hmm. And you don't feel afraid after listening. He lays things out so well in terms of what you should do. Mm-hmm. Um, and I can't believe like a few years later upon reflection that, you know, these are the things that laid the foundation just for abundance really. mm, um, mm. so just one lap love it love it love it okay okay and what does wellness in the workplace look like for you um balance okay boundaries mm. um as we we work to make a living mm. and you might enjoy your work but um, you don't live to work. Mm. Um, so mm. you're meant to be there for a time and then meant to be home out doing your things mm. for the rest of the time. Mm. So I, I believe that people have the right to do work that they enjoy and work sure. that is fulfilling. Sure. Work, um, work environments that are safe. We don't go mm. to work to be talked down to. So Mm. I believe in healthy work environments and those are enforced through boundaries. So work should be an extension 
of your life. Sure. Um, and not, not the inverse. Hmm. Love that. Love that. And lastly, three things that you would tell your younger self about being a professional in corporate South Africa. Um, it's doable. <laughs> <laughs> so number one, the foundation of anything good in the workplace is excellence. Sure. So when you talk about having boundaries, you're trying to instill boundaries, but you haven't done your job or mm. you've done a sloppy job. Mm. It is easier to ask for things when you are doing your part. Mm. Excellence, not perfection, excellence. So number one is pursuing excellence within your career. Yeah. Um, so that would be the, the biggest thing for me. Mm. Number two is having a great support system. Okay. So I mentioned earlier when we were talking about podcasts, mm. um, is a lot of times when I listen to podcasts, it's things that some of my mentors have maybe told me 10 years ago. Yeah, yeah. So build a support system mm. of people who, real people. Yeah. By real, I don't mean I can touch you. Yeah. I mean people who care about you. Sure. Sure. And the way and manner in which people interact, you're able to tell if a person is doing something because they have to mm. or because they're invested in mm. you. So mm. have mm. mentors, have sponsors, mm. have cheerleaders, a person who says, you're doing amazing, sweetie. Yeah. And those are all people that you then start to rely and talk to. So have a support system at work. Mm. have a support system outside of work your mm. friends your family mm. you can't live for work and um neglect your real life yeah, um, yeah so your support system outside of work yeah and then lastly number three what would i say um it's a a career is a journey mm. I won't say a lifelong journey because yeah. Um, it's going to be different lengths for all of us. Yeah. But whatever you studied in 19, 2000 and whatever, mm. um, con commit to staying abreast or learning. Sure. Now, if you're, you might be in a technical field. So if I studied accounting, mm. um, but that's not, life is not going to only be accounting. Mm. One day I'm going to get into management. Mm. How do I manage people? Mm. One day I'm going to be a leader. How mm. do, what do I need to learn about leading? Mm. So um, remain committed to learning. You don't know everything. Yeah. So those are my three um, Three love it nuggets. love it love it and any concluding remarks about your corporate hustle about just careers uh, or even just wellness in the workplace for you so a fulfilling and healthy career is mm. possible Mm. And you simply need to take a step and do the work that needs to be done. Mm. Um, when we're talking about finances, there were certain things that you, you needed to do. Mm. So 
do not be afraid to ask for help all of the stuff that I've chatted about mm. um, but also explore other ways um, of doing the work so if mm. you're interested in career coaching mm. you can find me on www.yourcorporatehustle.com mm. and I really encourage people to invest in their careers from a time perspective resources mm. because once you are doing that the rewards are amazing mm. um but that is my closing thought your your career is in your hands but a beautiful well-paying sustainable career is possible, is possible. Love um that. and i want more of us to have that love that love that manoka thank you so much for being here thank you so much for your insights and just transparency about your journey and also about the topic on personal finances and to you who's watching or listening thank you so much for tuning in this is wellness in the workplace you can find us on instagram or on youtube or on any podcast streaming service my name is mbalim zinyane and i'll see you on the next episode bye-bye This podcast is brought to you by Fende Media. Fende Media builds podcasts from the ground up to tell your story. By partnering with individuals and business alike, Fende Media brings you communication to life through podcast services.